Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And here we go. The Duff and Susan McKagan family joke of the week. Hey, Chris Jericho. It's Duff McKagan calling you from lovely Seattle, Washington. I'm sitting here with my wife, Susan Holm, of course, the author of the explosive The Velvet Rose novel. Uh, she's going to do the joke of the week this, this week, guys. Take it over, Sue. What do you call an explosive horse? Hey, Paul. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Good job, Susan. uh, Right off the bat, Susan Holmes McKagan making uh, her Joke of the Week debut. I like it. Good stuff. And pick up a copy of her book, The Velvet Rose, wherever books are sold. A very cool story about a rock and roll star and uh, the romantic life that he leads, something that she probably knows a lot about since she is married to a rock and roll star. So thanks to Susan for making her Talk is Jericho uh, joke-telling debut. And thanks to the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, for returning to Talk is Jericho for the third, fourth, fifth time, whatever it may be. And it's live from the Jericho Cruise. I'm telling you, right now, we had some technical difficulties with this one. There's a problem with the mics and the recording. So Rick sounds a little off mic, uh, and the crowd cheering is really loud at times. You can still hear Rick on all his incredible stories, though, uh, once you get used to the audio. We're talking about his first meeting and working with Hulk Hogan, what Triple H did for Rick when Flair returned to WWE, the advice he got from Harley Race, and what it was like wrestling in North Korea. He tells stories about Roddy Piper, Bruiser Brody, Dusty Rhodes, and Rick talks about his close call with death. Uh, last year great conversation as usual and although it's not our usual sound quality uh, just bear with us and stick with it it's worth it i promise here we go rick flair live from chris jericho's rock and wrestling rager at c part de woo are you guys having a good time like i told you that's your only job on this cruise is to have a good time all the time all right so speaking of good times, this guy coming up right now is the epitome of a good time. He's literally the greatest of all time. The Nature Boy, Ric Flair! in the Bahamas, uh, joined us yesterday, and um, you went to Rocky Johnson's funeral. I did, um, which was sad but nice. Um, never liked to, to you know, attend one of those, um, but uh, it was a nice ceremony, and uh, I think the family was happy with everything, and at the end of the day, um, he's in a better place, and that's how you got to look at it. He had a great life. And, and uh, he and Anna made a beautiful son that we all adore. So, what more could you want as a father? Did you uh, did you work with him quite a lot? Were you close with Rocky? I, I wasn't close with Rocky, but I worked with him a ton. He um, came from the San Francisco Roy Shires. He got to work with Ray and Pat. That's where he really. I mean, he was a phenomenal athlete. I don't know if you guys remember him. He could do nip ups and. Drop kick you, but like for the guys now, drop kick you land on his feet. Um, and uh, he was a legitimate boxer. He trained with Ken Norton and Foreman, and just a really good athlete. And uh, yeah, he did well. He um, 
known as Georgia champion, which was a big deal back then, and uh, you got into St. Louis, which meant you were in that category back then. If you, you know, as a kid, everybody grew up wanting to go to the Garden. If you were a WWF or WWE fan, and of course, wanted to go to St. Louis if you were an NWA. So, and he made both venues. So, uh, in terms of his wrestling career, and he ended up in the Hall of Fame. Chris was in that night. Rocky inducted him the same year that I went in with. Briscoe's and Gordon Soli, and doesn't get any better than that. So, listen, before Chris and I start talking here, I gotta tell all you girls. If, 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 if I had a crib like this, you gotta see the room Chris came in, okay? So, I, I know you girls, I guess, you know, like, first of all, you know, it's. But, if it had crossed your mind, Imagine a room that they've given me with three master bedrooms, a baby grand piano you could have played the piano at naked. You could have walked through the mist and the steam into this giant hot tub. Had done a glass of champagne, the bubbly as Chris would say. Come back and we would have gone ring around the rosy. Through all three rooms, all. Woo! 18 to 28, no boyfriends, no husbands. <laughs> Would you? <laughs> hey, no shit, you gotta see this place up here. If you get lost, I'll hear you knocking. Did you use the. Uh, uh, I hear you knocking, but you can't come in. <laughs> Well, that was one of your gimmicks, though. You would go in the ring, cut a promo, oh, and tell yeah. everybody that the party was in your room. Oh, not in the ring. It was on, in the van on TBS. <laughs> I, I told the world. <laughs> Nobody cared. I didn't care about the arena. They were coming anyway. <laughs> but for those that couldn't get a ticket, <laughs> that's, when it, that's when women came to wrestling. Now that the guys know about right also. <laughs> Where did you but, at one time, it was sold out of women. Where did you come up with Space Mountain? Somebody just yelled with Space Mountain. Oh, God, that, that's a great story. I just was out all night and all night, and I spring break, and all you talk about is a college kid going to Florida. Like when I was like 15 or 16, I hitchhiked to Lauderdale. That was the deal. But Florida was a spring break, and I thought to myself, could we just party this Marriott on Riverdale Road? I mean, we could be, and I had pounded on TV, like the Marriott in Philadelphia and Baltimore. Damn Marriott. I used to tell my wife, the one I was married to then, <laughs> that the Marriott gave me a deal to point them all then. Why are you bringing up the Marriott? I don't know. We get free rooms, Double A and I are going to stay at the eight days in and have our horsemen. So, <laughs> but, um, and so I thought to myself, well, I just walked out and said, so if you're a girl and you're driving to Florida, and you're thinking about riding Space Mountain, which was this ride that they created at Disney World long, long after I was up and running, okay? <laughs> and I said, all you gotta do is pull over on Riverdale Road, pull into the Marriott, you can ride Space Mountain all night long, and people just started saying it. <laughs> but it's so important to have those catchphrases. And, and, and just so you know, they got a pharmacy on the boat, so. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
Father Time ain't catching up with the nature boy. While we're on the subject of your catchphrases, as you have so many of them, um, people yelling woo every single time they see you, every time someone has a child. Who was the worst the genesis of, of, of woo? Literally, the woo, I got that from Jerry Lewis. Not the woo like Six that, man. but I love Jerry Lewis and driving down the road at night. I'm sure I'm not the only one. You listen to music and you're making that shot. And ultimately, it'll be a shot to TV. You put that in your mind and wake up from I'm gonna bump up those two a little bit. Next day did it. Thank God I did. Does it catch on instantly? Yeah, 1974. You know, within. Well, I caught on instantly within North Carolina, in the Carolinas. But then I hit Atlanta TV. It took off, and now, you know, I've made so many videos for college teams, pro teams. Stuff like that, and, uh, and you know, hockey teams as well as you know, Chris. About four or five teams that over the years I've made videos for. And it, 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 you know, I don't get paid for it, but it's, it's a good deal. And uh, it's funny that one day I just did it, just you know, coming out of a hangover. Woo! You just mentioned all the stuff that you do. You had a real career resurgence. You're doing rock videos and designed with Adidas. Some of the deers, I was wondering. I got a shoe coming out, kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. I saw, I saw you uh, announce widespread panic. I'm like, yeah. yeah. You know, widespread panic. Oh, man. Hey, listen, I'm available for any kind of opportunity. It's so cool to see all these guys like Snoop and all that. Well, I've really become good friends with Snoop. But the thing with Offset caught me off guard. And just, um, I had just gotten out of the hospital, and I was still... Very sick when I shot that video, but boy, that turned into a, a, a tremendous deal. Three hundred and four fifty million. It's like it's, it's, wow. Yeah, it's you must have. Views, yeah. Well, I mean, Whatever the terminology is. You're, you're an iconic uh, figure, and you think about the '80s. It was Flair on one side and Hogan on the other side. <laughs> yeah. um, what? What would you think when Hogan was on his rise? Because he was much more of a, well, actually you're both showmen, so as a worker, as, as a phenomenon, was there a rivalry between you uh, at all? No. No, as a matter of fact, uh, we, we met in Atlanta, uh, he was on his way to Memphis before the Hulk Hogan character came, and, and the only way back then that I would care about Hulk, because he enjoyed, well, a lot of people probably know that he enjoyed tremendous success in Minneapolis. Um, he, did, he broke in in Tampa with Hiro Matsuda and Eddie and those guys, but he moved to Minneapolis where I broke in with Vern Gagne, and he had this run with the guy who the Chris, I think the first time Chris and I, Chris never saw me in person was I wrestled Nick for an hour in, in Winnipeg one night. He was the AWA champion and a, and a great guy and, you know, one of the real legends of our, of our industry. So. So Hulk had this ongoing thing with with, uh, um, with uh, Nick, and they were they sold out St. Paul back then. That was you know that, that arena was built for that hockey team, and they sold out you know twenty thousand strong, uh, you know chairs on the floor, like six or seven shows, and and it didn't put the title on them, and, they, and that you know that 
you know, and I don't know why nobody will ever know Vern's gone now, and I certainly don't want to say anything that I'm not sure of, but, and then there was a marketing issue, because I think, you know, aside from Vince McMahon, who you ultimately got to give this marketing, um, whatever marketing we all enjoy now, he's the guy that brought it to the forefront. But I think Hulk was right there in the initial marketing scheme too, so, uh, you know, Hulk, Vince invented it, and Hulk was the epitome, you know, and then look at Steve Austin and Rock. Uh, I, I walked into Anaheim in 2002, I had just come back, and uh, the guy said to me, it's called The Pond, the Chris has wrestled there many times, and uh, it's where the Ducks play, and um, the kids said, man, we're having a hell of a night on t-shirts, and I said, what, what, what's a hell of a night? He said, we sold 8,000 uh, rock t-shirts and 7,000 uh, wow. Austin t-shirts. And they were doing that every night, guys. Back then, it was awkward, and he'll tell you, because I, I tell Chris, I had just gotten there, and I'd just been, really been out of the loop, and that tag match, I think it was you and Angle, or you and Rock, Austin, and I mean, they had a run going, guys. And if the arena wasn't sold out, the guy was hot because they were that, the, the company was that on fire. So it was um, fun for me to watch at that stage of my career, to see the pace, but uh, you guys are moving along. But when you, when you came back, I remember, you had, there was a little bit of a confidence issue that you were having. Terrible. Um, yeah, I just, I was broken. The Eric Bischoff WCW thing broke me. It broke, it hurt broke me 10 years prior, and the whole deal, you just didn't have that belief in yourself at that point in time? Huh? You didn't believe in yourself or didn't know? Well, you know, since you brought it up, let's go to, let's go to, uh, I'll give you an example. It, it, let me ask you if it crack you. So, we had a guy named Shane Douglas. You probably don't know who he is. <laughs> so, he, he was right on me and on me and on me. This is before social media was big, but enough, enough. Because apparently, he didn't get a break in NWA with Crockett back with when he and Johnny Ace were whatever they were. And uh, but Johnny had no problem with his career, still doesn't. And then so this went on. So one day, of course, they bring him in and they and they have me they have me put over Shane Douglas. Okay. He, he's in that category of where are they now? And uh, I didn't wonder, did Hulk put over Shane Douglas? No, did did Scott Allen put over Shane Douglas? No. Did Kevin Nash? No. Did Waltman? No. Did Savage? No. Did Piper? No. Did Chris Jericho? No. Did Hunter? No. Did Sh uh, uh, Shawn Michaels? Hell no. Kaker, Rock, Austin? No. But Ric Flair put him over. That's Mary Bischoff on it. That was it. So basically, so Banco, you hear this story that I was okay with it? Trust me, I wasn't. It was a little bit of an inner turmoil for me. So what was it that when you come into WWF at the time and you don't have the confidence, how did you finally get back in your group? Hunter, Hunter, all the way. Triple H, guys. I would sit in a chair and I was just sitting back and wondering what am I even doing here? And Hunter walked out to me and said, hey, um, Taker wants to work with you. I went, what? 
And I, I wasn't ready. I was not ready for it. I mean, I went, oh my God. I said, I literally probably said to him, you're kidding. He said, no, he said, uh, we're figuring that, uh, that you would take her in Toronto. And that was the year that Rock and Hulk, man, Chris, you were there. I mean, I can't remember all the matches, but it was a phenomenal car. So loud, bigger than life. Um, and I wrestled Taker, and uh, I mean, I, I struggled all the way till like, once I got in the ring and, and got going. But the anxiety, and, and I don't know, trust me, anxiety is a big word. And it, it's used, but if you've had it, you get it. The anxiety can throw your, your life out of whack, it can throw everything you do into a, a, dis, a disproportionate state. Of, of where you should be mentally. So I had it and I, I, but I got through the match and like Taker threw me in. I missed the upside. You saw it and then, and he said, <laughs> Taker looked at me and said, Kid, let's try and get it right this time, right? I'm like 15 years older than here, 20 years older than here. <laughs> Come on, kid. And he threw me in and did the boot. And I got the saw and went to work. Once, once I got the saw, I was good. <laughs> I can always do that. <laughs> uh, I, actually, funny, I've got two things to say. One, you mentioned all those guys that, that uh, didn't put over somebody that she put over, she did others. I might be the only guy that ever, uh, that you ever beat with a figure four. No, 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 I can't believe it. George South. <laughs> You're right. Those wins were few and far between. I insisted on it. Yeah. And also, too. No, it's the truth. I also had you walk up to the top rope and actually give me an axe handle. Yeah. Because every other time you always get caught up there and you never learned your lesson. But hey. you got me. Yeah. Hey, hey, that's one of the reasons I'm here. You don't, you don't forget you don't forget the things that people do for you on the way up. Yeah. You know, on the way up, and I, I was on my way out. And Chris was just really at the height of his career. And he said, hey, man, no problem. And that, uh, those are the things that, that bring us together on nights like this. And even though I'm not supposed to drink, I'm gonna drink with Chris later on. Yeah. Now, I'll tell you something. He and I and his wife went to Tokyo in 2007. And what a mistake. I was trying to be true blue. So they went to Rapungi, which is this fabulous party here. Yeah, a little bit like right here. Except same kind of bright lights and all that. And I stayed in the hotel while born as I. And I was divorced a year later. I could kill myself for not going to a bungee. So we had fun down there. You were trying to be uh, nice. Down there, I, I, squeezed, I squeezed you a long time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, Woo! Do you, do you remember? Okay, so do you remember when we did the thing where uh, I ended up wrestling? Uh, we're supposed to wrestle Mickey Gore. Yeah, that was the greatest of all time. Yeah, and we were doing the angle for it, and I was supposed to attack you and smash your Rolex. Yeah. And when I punched you in the face, yep. you started bleeding everywhere. Uh, and you were bleeding everywhere, so I was doing the old, you know, hit the cut, yeah. open it up, brother, open it up. Um, basically, you gigged, but you didn't tell me you were going to gig. No, 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 that, you hit me with the monitor. After. Oh, that was another time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So, I can't remember one time. <laughs> So I go through the back, and Vince is furious because that's when he just banned uh, the sauce, banned the blading. Did I have a blade? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because you, you, I punched you in the forehead, and you had a little cut right there. <laughs> so I, 
Michael, so Vince is furious because there's blood everywhere and he's angry with me. And, uh, and he's like, you, know, you, you gotta take the blame on this one. I said, I didn't do it. He did this. Doesn't matter. You taking the blame for it. You're fined $15,000. <laughs> well, you had him. <laughs> Look at him now. So I think yeah, he's got the big crib on the big side of town, kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. The way I see it, you always and he's, still, and he's still married. That's the key. <laughs> That's the key to a beautiful, yes. hey, to a beautiful, beautiful woman. Yes. With three beautiful kids. Yes, amazing. Brother, yeah, amazing. amazing. Thank you. You said something earlier when you mentioned St. Louis being kind of the mecca of the NWA. It was. Tell us a little about St. Louis, the promoter, why it was so important. Well, if you're in the NWA, St. Louis was the headquarters. Uh, there was a guy named Sam Mushnick. You'll have to really be old to remember that. I know, I, I think Dave Melcher's here, Dave can tell you. And, and uh, by the way, I got to give Dave a shout out because after all these years, think about it guys, this has been going on forever. The Wrestling Bible, we used to call it. <laughs> if you got a shout out from Dave Meltzer, yay or nay, it was it was a positive deal. So um, anyway, the, the St. Louis was the deal, and if you got invited, they would invite people to honor that office, which was Geigo, Harley, Sam, and whatever, to St. Louis on a Friday night. You know that you had made it in the eyes of your peers. But also, it, they, it was a, it was a big payoff. It was, you know, it was a, it was a really unique venue, the, the Keel, and then the checkered old location for Big Show, and it was Pat O'Connor, the Funks, the Briscoes, Gene Kaniski, Buddy Rogers. I mean, all the history of the people there, and, it, and then it was the Mul Blackjack Mulligan, and then Rick Flair, and the Von Erichs, and Rocky Johnson, and I mean, the, the who's who's. I mean, Hulk came in from Minneapolis one time. It, it was the, it was the, I got there and, and you could beat a guy with an abdominal stretch. And that was what the guy used in the ring. And like Wilbur Snyder is the name of the past. That was the finish. Sleeper hold, I'll call. As a matter of fact, I, I, I'm probably responsible for the worst thing that ever happened, but I had to wrestle Dick the Bruiser for an hour. And we had to chain fall. And so I said, to, I said to them, why don't you let me put my foot on the rope and have Dick lean back one, two, three, rather than submit? Because if you were, if you were a, a good guy, submitting could be the, you know, that could move you down the ladder. So you're trying to avoid the submissions, impossible. So um, this is back then. Um, so we did it, and uh, boy, that they were coming in the ring. There were the people were that hot, and they were that offended. You, I mean, you didn't touch the referee. All the stuff that I incorporated in my work over the years, which we call cheap heat, which I was the king of back then because it was tough going an hour with some of the guys that I had to wrestle an hour with. Um, that I, it, it started uh, probably that night with, in terms of that main event level because. To go an hour with these guys that couldn't go any longer, you know what I mean? And Dick at that point, you know, was crippled up from football and wrestling. And, but I was a very, anyway, it was a very prestigious place to be in for the guys today and all the kids that are uh, in the business and aspire to, to go places. And now it's more than the garden, of course. It's more than 
it's any time that you can be in a big city and it's being right here tonight on this pole. This, this is about as main event as you're ever going to experience. Right? And, it, and it's a small venue, but it, it's so loud. And everybody's having a good time. And, and I, can guarantee you, I can guarantee you the matches that are going on, the kids are working as, as hard for you uh, as they would be in front of 20,000. So let me just explain so people might understand, as the world champion, you would have to go into these cities and you said work an hour. Every night. And that's because you couldn't do finish because you couldn't beat No, no, you didn't. The NWA was their rule. You either did an hour, either you won or you went what we call Broadway or through for an hour. As the champion. As the champion. And that was that way all the way along until the, the Von Erichs came along. And Fritz, Fritz finally said one day we're going to do a DQ and it changed it all. So, our Broadway, uh, I'm sure some guys are great to work with. Who are some of the ones here that were really hard to work with? Oh, God. Well, it's, it's really hard to wrestle an hour anyway. It's not good shape. I don't care. I don't, I don't want to throw any names out there. But it doesn't matter. But it, to go an hour, I mean, I've had guys throw up five minutes in, half hour in, roll out to the floor. I mean, I had to throw them back in the ring to roll out the throw up on the other side. I would tell a guy, like Harley Race told me, he said, we're... Best advice to ever give you that read past three o'clock, you know. I'm looking at guys that can wrestle me for an hour, um, eating a Whopper at 7.30. I don't know, man. <laughs> don't think the pace would be quite that slow. But but you, you don't know that until you've experienced it. it it's not fair to, you just can, you just pass them along and hope they think about it. Hours a long time, especially in front of 200 people. If you were in Kansas City, <laughs> going to Russia for a week. Yeah. <laughs> Tough. <laughs> how, would, how would you structure a 60-minute match? Um, well, if I had, if, I, if, it was a, if it was a Barry Windham, it was easy. I'd do headlocks or arm drags. If it was steamboat, boom, boom, boom. I mean, if a guy could, if a guy could go, you could have a phenomenal um, It's pacing, but it's conditioning. I, that's the... I certainly didn't have a great physique, but I was always in shape, you know what I mean? So, I kept myself in really good shape, no matter what I did to myself at night, I, I did work out hard. Um, but it, it's pacing, and, and it's it's being able to hear the audience, what they like. You know, you can hear them go up and down. Ah, you know what I mean? You can tell. And it's so hard when you're on TV, because, you know, as I watch whether it be this program or WWE, and it's hard to get people, like the enthusiasm level with you guys, boom, I, I, I got off the, out of the limo last night and the match was going bam, bam, bam. And I mean, it's a new audience, it's a new company and it's gonna have that. And, and that brings a lot of excitement just to, just to, to be a, a guy in the ring, like Chris or, the Bucks or wherever else are out there working uh, for all in. It, it's um, it's a huge, it's a huge uh, bonus to have a, a a good guy, bad guy recognition. Where you got a hero and you got a villain. It, it's, it was the idea from day one, and then it's gotten where everybody is, you know, 50-50, and I, I get that. But it's fun when you got a crowd that is really, really. You know, bum, 
video. Every time you train it, you train a punch. Boom. Boom. And then it builds and builds and builds. And then a big bump and people explode again. And that's that's the story we all try to put together to achieve to ultimately entertain you guys. You know, you mentioned so many things and there's, there's a lot of directions I want to go in, but you just mentioned how good it is to have a, a, a good guy back and a crowd that responds. Sure. I was, just saw this a, a couple months ago when you wrestled in South Korea and there was like 150,000 Oh, North Korea. North Korea, sorry. Yeah. With, with Noki. Yeah. So then you put on like a headlock and it was like, yeah. what was that trip like to the communist North Korea? Well, you know, I guess it was uh, it, it was interesting to me. I, I'll just tell you flat out what I was scared to death, you know. And then uh, one of those deals. <laughs> uh, it started out with me. Well, first of all, here's the deal. If this is the way it kind of works with, with an agent that I work with, if Hulk won't do it, we'll call Flair. <laughs> When you're represented by the same agent, sometimes you just gotta accept being number two, okay? So, but, 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 no, but, in this case, Hulk wasn't first, it was George Foreman. George and, uh, don't think so. So then they went to, um, Hulk, and Hulk said, can't make that one, brother. <laughs> and so Eric said, ah, come on, Rick. So I, I said, okay, what the hell? <laughs> and it was with Muhammad Ali, and if you look at it at the end of the day, it was something I could say I always did. Um, of course, the promise was whatever happens over here will never be seen anywhere. DVD next month, all over the world, <laughs> same story. Different, different city, same story. Um, but I had never worked with an Oki, and that, this is the truth. I mean, and that's one of those times where I think, I, I'd seen him, and I knew that he understood how to work, wrestle our style. And it worked out great. It wasn't a masterpiece, no. But it got us out of the arena, and back to the bar at the hotel, which is where I lived. Because I was scared shitless. The guy looked at my Rolex, we got off the plane, and said, that is worth more money than I make in one year. I said, here. <laughs> If it makes you feel good and I can get out of here sooner, you can have it, brother. I know shit. Took our passports in it. So the first night I'm up with a press box watching and the guys that was Niners or somebody else was they're expecting the Olympics. <laughs> so which I didn't understand at first. Olympic wrestling. Olympic or something like that. And the guy goes, well, how come that guy can get away from him so easy? How can a guy jump in there? I, I don't know, he couldn't do it with me. <laughs> couldn't do that if I'm down there. Because <laughs> it was like a, a sports festival. Oh, the sports festival. They thought we were bringing, um, you know, the, the Olympic Games over there. Different. People were forced to go to the show. Yeah. So there was only 150,000 people there. That just 100, 100, 190. 190. Yeah. Cheering for everything. Yeah, it was, it was a different, I mean, it was a, something that I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't ever forget, and I'm just thankful to Eric for getting me out of there. I was calling Eric on the phone, and I said, Eric, they want me to say on TV that, <laughs> that I think that they can blow up the United States. I don't know how that'll work when I get back to the mainland. <laughs> can you help me?
me out because Eric negotiated it. So we all boarded that sucker and then we we got off that plane and we got down and, and Eric and I and our wives and girlfriends or whatever we were doing back then, it doesn't matter. We, we, we went and got drunk and <laughs> for three solid days. It, it was a lot. I wouldn't advise, you know, making... It's not like being on this boat over in North Korea, trust me. Not quite as festive. Was there ever any times during the matches where you were scared for, for your life? Not scared, but just, you know, you're, 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 you, you don't feel long scared during the match, but you... They take your passport, and, and it's... And, they let you know what, I, they, and then they divided us. That's what really threw me. Where I thought I was going to the same hotel with Eric and that. They put me in a different hotel, but Ali, so you're you're sitting there by yourself. We all we all found each other eventually, but you know nobody knew what to expect. And I, it actually, um, you know, it was probably a pretty cool deal that we went, but you, you couldn't have told me that at the time. What I meant though is scared because of the riots that were caused. Oh no, 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 not, not at all. That's not like, uh, that's over here in the islands. That's not well, that's not. what I mean. Have you had those experiences in the islands or whatever? Oh gosh, yes. I've, had, I've been in a full scale riot. Oh god. The work, the Dominican Republic with Jack Veneno, two with Jack, a riot in uh, Trinidad four or five times with anybody from Brody to Carlos to Victor Jabica. Um, Barbados, I was wrestling Roy Callender, the bodybuilder from Montreal. Uh, he tried wrestling him. Wait, it was so bad, they were coming in the ring and the, the horse, the policeman in Barbados ride horses, right? They shot one of the horses that got was on. So I was back at that holiday in with that duel of porn down. So, yeah, I've seen oh, San Juan too, just to flip a coin to Brody, I was the world champion. And Brody and I would argue all night long as to who was going to go on last. 30,000 people at uh, Baya Moon Stadium. And the people over there, 12 year old kid, tell you it's going to kick your ass on the wood. <laughs> Probably, but not, not, not if I can get to the Condado first. <laughs> but there have been those days in the Condado, and I'm sure everybody that the old days. You could be at the Holiday Inn. I was there one night with the Briscoes and, and Hot Rod. And uh, we're raising hell and drinking and everything. And in came uh, a guy walked in and shot a guy in the dance floor. It took all of 10 minutes to calm it down, drag the guy out, and the band started up again. <laughs> That's that minute around the drinks, folks. <laughs> now, I, left, I left Piper there one time in jail. He said, I don't know what to do. I got to be Nashville, pal. You got yourself in here. <laughs> I left Roddy right there. I sure did, Roddy. God rest your soul. I admitted it to you, but I wasn't out getting in that Eastern airliner, man. <laughs> you were really tight with Mike. Oh, God, like this. Yeah. Uh, the, the greatest guy. Yeah, every, everybody have a drink for Roddy Piper. <laughs> he, he'd, have been a, he'd have been amongst you tonight. Oh, yeah, he'd be here. <laughs> where, did, where did you first meet him? He came into Charlotte in 1978. And uh, I fell in love with him. Just God dang, so much talent. The gift of gab, quick, witty, honest. Legitimately loved the business. The word was never, the word was never I mean, wrestling. But he would like to call it fighting. Um, 
you know, I, I feel bad. He, he got involved and, and he got he got paranoid toward the end of his career. And I think that some people where you can't fight off that edge, you know, because you're you're constantly in your in your quest to be recognized as the best, in your quest to be Wrestling Observer Wrestler of the Year, be the top heel. <laughs> And here's how I close it up with Brett Hart all the time. Hey, Brett. Because that was the jealous right? And by the way, if, if there, and I'm going to put him right there too, anybody tells you they haven't talked to him about turn over the years is a liar. <laughs> with the exception of maybe Hunter and Taker and Shawn Michaels. Everybody's talking to him about But here's, how, here's my end of the board after me. It's so. <laughs> over. Argument's over. <laughs> me and Lou. That was Jim Hurd, WCW. The, the, uh, he wanted me to God, the worst thing I ever did was cut my hair. I can remember walking through the airport, nobody knew me. I mean, I, I was, I was frightened. Why did, why did he want you to cut your hair? Because he wanted to call me Spartacus. They wanted me to change my name. What? Put a earring. You know, you know that. Well, not really, though. I mean, you know that story, Chris, please. Spartacus. Yes. After being Ric Flair for 20 years, they wanted to call me Spartacus. You saw that hair coming up. What other explanation could it be? Terrible, yeah. I, I love my hairdresser. It wasn't that. No, I know. I looked like I looked like a twelve-year-old kid <laughs> that did with a surfboard, you know, shoved up my butt. It was, it was that bad. I remember I had to wrestle Fujinami um, for the title, and I looked at that picture of he and I said, "God, right." It really, how, how I ever came to that. No kidding. Yeah. You actually, you went with it. So that was, that was I'm sure. I, I, I don't think I had a choice at that point. He cracked me. Gotcha. The way that Jim Ross got along with Jim, but Ross kept him whiskeyed up. So that was it. I didn't have access to him like Jim did. Because Jim Ross, who was a great mind and a smart guy, and I, one of the greats, trust me. I wish I'm sad that he got off the boat. I was looking for him last night. Um and really understands our business, but um, he, uh, I figured out, Ross just kept the liquor up, so he didn't have to put up with it, but they'd come in that room and tell all of us what was up, and he looked at me and told me that, and Kevin Sullivan, who I'll never forget, looked at, looked at Jim Hurd and said, why don't we just change Ricky Mantle's number? Right. Do that too, so Kevin stuck up, but he was hell-bent on, on, on ruining me, and that was it. So you called, you called Vince, and um, Vince... No, no, what I did is, I was, he, they started me going, they, they wanted me to come in 86 to Russell Savage at SummerSlam. And I said no, and I, um, we didn't have contracts back then, I just had a deposit on the belt, but, and I was with Arn and Tully and Barry and God, and just, we were selling out everywhere, I was happy, and, and I wasn't, was never about not going, up, not going up there and having fun. 
because DDIC, Pipe Ryan, a lot of friends up at Orton, a lot of guys that I was friends with that are gone. I just couldn't get myself to leave that, that, that circle of friends that I was with. And then, uh, when I, again, we talked, maybe in 88, and I just started doing it. So when I quit, I just called him and said, well, yeah, the invitation's still open, man, I'm here. And by the way, I got the belt. I tried to give it back, and he said, and he wouldn't take it. That's the guy's honest truth. I said, take it, he said, shove it up here. So, when you said you had to put a deposit on it, as a champion, you'd have to take the belt with you everywhere. And, and as a champion, back, you know, when you first went, as a world champion, we put down $25,000. A certified cashier's check to the treasurer of the NWA at that time. And it sat in a, it sat in a, um, an account, you know, gaining, um, interest. So when I finally, after all that stuff, and it went back, finally, I sent the bill back. I got a check for 50 grand. That's how long I had that. that uh, you had it. Yeah, like 48,000. That's how long I had it in the 25 grand. And, and the thing of it is, I said, hey, I'll fly down. I'll fly down to Columbus and drop the belt to Barry tomorrow. And he said, screw you. But I wasn't going to do it on a pay per view because it's like the same scenario. He said, I'm going to give you a contract. We'll do your contract after you after you drop. <laughs> All your leverage is gone. Yeah. Well, it's like the same time when I I dropped the belt to Hulk, going to another era in Orlando, right? And then we went to Des Moines, Iowa, into the match where we decided ultimately that the Hulk won again, right? And then we're gonna go to number three to a cage match where I've already lost twice. So they call me, and this is this is the Ric Flair deal again. Well, it's the same press loud, but Eric, and they call me and say, look at your pants, it's slow. Well, I wonder why it's slow. You've already beat me twice, and then I, so I'm gonna win in a cage match? Right. Whereas where he would've won it, if we had done this right, and uh, well, we'll put your career up. You can take a year off. I swear to God. <laughs> take a year off. Give me a new contract, go home. I was back working in, nine, in 60 days. After losing your career. After losing my career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just one thing after another. Anything to run the page down. When, yeah. you, when you first started... And that's because somebody else wouldn't do... You know, they, needed someone to, they needed someone to do the picture. I won't get into the list of names. Why would you never... Well, why did you never say no to somebody? Because I, I, I... You know what? I wanted so bad to be part of it. Why do you think I came back? I mean... I, I rest assured, I'm, I can tell you, and I've been assured of this, that I would have made $10 million on that lawsuit against her. You're not allowed as a VP of a company to walk out in front of 70 people and say you're going to break somebody, ruin their family, put them in bankruptcy. It does not work like that for a publicly traded company. And everybody that's ever sued Turner, a wrestler, has gotten paid. True? Everybody. Didn't even go to court. They don't want it. I would have got paid. But I would have sat home and I would have never been able to um, resume my career and I would have never, and I I say this from the bottom of my heart, I, I was dead in the water. They called me, Vince went and did that last show with Sting and Sting and I were both embarrassed because we didn't, I wasn't in shape to wrestle, I wore a shirt. I mean, I went home, I was just, I was lost. 
it's just devastating. And Mick Ross and uh, Vince Colvin said, hey, we got plans for you. No phone call for a year and a half. Man, I went, oh, God, I just, man, hands. They want to know when I started the daytime drink. <laughs> I was at the country club at noon, kids. Never used a membership one time. <laughs> I was say, let me tell you something. I can tell you about daytime drinking. <laughs> you, you give me a girl bartender at a bar. Especially the land of Georgia where I almost killed myself a couple years ago. I had a little routine. I can find him at like, uh, I can't even find him at the... Uh, What's that place I go to? I don't go anymore. It's all past tense. Wendy's at the Four Seasons in the Bahamas. Don't forget RickFleshShop.com. <laughs> but, um, oh my God, I, can, Jesus, I got to recognize a bar, man. And if I knew the manager, if it, if it was legal to open at 11, they opened at 10. <laughs>
for a six o'clock flight for an afternoon show to Dallas. So brother, <laughs> I slept, <laughs> got there, got to the arena, but I knew I had carried easy. But what nobody realized, they did it with a matinee, but they should have at night with 106 degrees in Dallas. And they had 53,000 people. And they were carrying people off the field for dehydration, you heard about that. And even when, by the time I got out there to Russell Perry, which was on last, um, the mat was still hot. Uh, yeah, I wrestled Santana one time. Texas years before Tito Santana and uh, doing that outdoors uh, in McLean, Texas, for Gallon rather. And uh, it could be that hot. But it was a, a you know a great night for them. The match before me was the Freebirds against uh, the other Von Eric boys and Fritz and I've never seen a crowd higher or more crazy in my life. But, but and you would think, oh god, then we gotta go out and try and follow that. And Kerry came out that door. And he was on that night, and it was easy. I just figured something easy. wouldn't matter. Couldn't win the claw, but they'd already done it. Just uh, remember backslide or something. It was crazy, but um, the sad thing is, it because of uh, health issues. A week later, they called me and said you got to go to Tokyo. It's not working out with Gary, and I think he had missed his first shot. One week later. One week later, yeah. Wow, because we had a lot of substance problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one thing you can't. We live, we live by the clock, and Jack Briscoe did it best. You, know, you get up in the morning, you fly to town. You look at your watch, right? You get to the arena, you wrestle for an hour. You go back and drink for an hour, right? You get up in the morning, you do this 365 days a year, an hour every night. They cracked Jack Briscoe so bad one time, he was flying into West Palm Beach, his home being Tampa, called Eddie Graham and said, have someone there tonight, and I'm dropping it. So the big scramble back then, the political thing with it, Harley or Terry, Harley or Terry, and they, I don't know who, who was right, but Terry got it, Harley thought he was, which was a big, it would have been a fight right now, right? Different. And, um, Jack drove back to Tampa, walked up on the Gambit Bridge. My brother's that right? Yeah. Took off his Rolex watch and threw it in the ocean never wore it again. That's symbolic of every night he read, he and Dory traveled with the team in junior. Every night. And it, it was a phenomenal match. Fans got everything. But it was still an hour every night. The most I ever did was I think I did uh, right at 280s. Maybe almost 300 one year. 300 ma 300 hours a year or 300 matches a year? 300 hours. Uh, I did at least 250 for six, seven years. And this was See, even with Dusty. I mean, even I'm gonna say Dusty for an hour. He booked it. I mean, I I get to Florida Monday. I'd have Barry for an hour. Tuesday I'd have Barry for an hour. Wednesday I'd have Mike Rotunda for an hour. Thursday I'd have Dusty for an hour. I could have Steve Kern. I could have Mike Graham. With an hour, it wasn't just, it was everywhere. And they were sold out then, it was easy, but it was an hour. And Eddie, that didn't come from Dusty, it came from, Dusty didn't want to do an hour, but he could. And that's what made Dusty Rhodes special. He could do five minutes and tear you guys up and have you excited. He could talk, didn't look like he could wrestle for an hour, but he could. 
That's right. Uh, as we uh, start, time. <laughs> as we start to wind down here, um, why are we winding down? Oh, we we'll just keep going then. Jeez, keep going. Let's end up for two hours of charity. Who was the worst? I'm trying to get you to your family. <laughs> what was the worst that you ever cracked? Because you're talking. Oh people. God, the worst I've ever cracked. Oh God, I've cracked two. So you guys, you guys know what agoraphobia is? The Sigourney Weaver deal, right? Remember the movie? I had it. What is it? Sigourney Weaver, uh, agoraphobia in Google it. I had it for about a month. It's where you can't get yourself to leave a comfortable position. Okay. It's like in your home. Like she couldn't, in this movie, oh, gotcha. she, was a, she was a fabulous, um, either a novelist or a crime analyst or whatever. But she had agoraphobia and she couldn't leave her home. And I got that for about a month. And uh, I, I had literally had to have someone with me. I, if I had someone with me, I was fine. But I had to travel like that in those situations. So we were in Detroit and, and Arn, and, and I was wrestling junkyard dog every night. And Arn rented a white milk truck to pick us up at the airport. <laughs> This riveting, right? I was just in all time mode and I had an attack that night. So Kevin Sullivan on his day off took me all the way back to Charlotte. And I mean and I walked in the house and I I knew that I'm already thinking I'm gonna leave tomorrow what am I gonna do? That's that in the United States is the worst but the worst ever was I wrestled Butch Ring in Orlando in the old armory. All 10 million, 110 degrees, and Butch Reed was a hand, but Eddie was one of these guys that wanted to come up with something that they'd never seen, so it was me against Butch Reed for the world title, I was a champion, for an hour in a cage, and you couldn't use the cage as a weapon. So I was Eddie Guerrero, not Eddie, um, Hector, with Hector, and I was all week long, and no cell phones, and I called my dad, I had to go to Tokyo the next day. I knew that I had to wrestle Jumbo and Ginger back to back for an hour. So I called my dad and said, Dad, my, my, my heart racing. My dad was, at, was doc, the doctor and he said, when was the last time you went to bed? And I said, probably not this past month, you know, because I've been in Florida all week long. Nobody slept in Florida, so I got up, caught the plane, damp in Chicago, got a number three, Northwest, all over drink, all the way. Got there, I made up my mind I wouldn't do it. And I could hear my toga, Bob's wife going, Slayer Sunday, boy, you know. I had, a paper, I had a paper ticket, which is probably the reason I don't do it anymore. I walked over to a flight to Seattle, gave it to him. Didn't even get my bags. Flew all the way back. Tokyo, Seattle, Seattle, Chicago. Chicago, Charlotte. Jimmy Crockett was there. Turned me around back on the plane, all the way back to Tokyo. I made it to the building one hour before the match, wrestled an hour, broke a sweat, went back up that night. <laughs> the funny thing is, I flew with a guy, I sat down on the plane in Seattle, in Tokyo, and I said, can I talk to you? And the guy said, yeah, I guess. And I probably thought, like, what's this guy doing? And who's this guy with long hair? And I said that. <laughs> so, for years, he sent me a Christmas card, and he said, the first one I ever got was, he said, I didn't know who you were and how famous you are. He said, I hope you're feeling better. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry.
wherever he is, thank you, man. Because I was dying. So you flew all the way to Tokyo, basically turned around, flew all the way back, and someone was waiting for you saying, Jimmy Crockett and my wife, man. I named James Bowling back on the way. But he married up again. When you mentioned earlier going to the 92 the, the, uh, the, uh, the obvious match is Flair versus Hogan but you never never did that no we didn't I, I don't know why it's, I, I, I just heard that last week and I'll probably hear it forever I was so happy to be there I didn't care I never walked up to Vince to this day I've never asked I think I think Vince I mean, if, I, if I were to make an accurate guess it was at Vince
there going to be a time in your life when you wish you had told someone you cared about them? Or you're engaged in an argument with a family member? Or you're not getting along with somebody? And I, I guarantee you, life is too short. And you can be 35 years old. You can, it doesn't change. You can be in a car wreck tomorrow. I'm not just talking about stuff that I did to myself. My, my, my illness is self-inflicted for all the hard living. But I woke up wanting to apologize everybody in, in, in the men's sense with anybody I had a cross word with, you know. It's like I, I was with, I'm with Scott and Kevin and over there in Liverpool and we're all talking about that and we've all said mean things about each other. I, I regret everything I ever said mean because it's not worth it. It's not worth it to, to, to think about the things that are negative. And I know what you're saying it's, it's corny and you guys are twin, but I mean you just don't want, it's not worth it. And especially with family member. God, if you're in a family argument, who cares who's done what to who and why? God, let it go. It's not worth it. It's not worth the, It's not worth this. And guess what? You might not have the opportunity that I had. Because I had to make up for a lot, man. The other thing is, which uh, I'm, I'm pretty good about this, I, I, I don't... I, I lived a fairy tale, guys. I mean, I lived in a fairy tale world. Move, I mean, move, move, Now, I'm with Wendy. I, I sit in the chair now, at night, and my life is so good that I have a hard time not worrying about some girl calling me. You, when you're in a hospital, and this was 10 years ago, and my wife had my phone, and I'm in the hospital dying, shit. There, there's some people, there's some activity on the line. And thank God there wasn't. I'd been clean by that, I don't mean drugs. Clean. All you girls that just keep causing me all kinds of shit. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, just, I, I had a real problem with women. <laughs> and I used to talk to them, and I, uh, I never carried two phones, but I, I might have once. <laughs> Harley Race 
Jamie, Ricky Steamboat, Sting, Dusty, Hunter, Sean, Chris Jericho, Taker, the list of people, Wahoo McDaniels, I mean Blackjack Mulligan, Ernie Ladd, Andre the Giant, I mean Bret Hart. There's nobody that I have wrestled with. Um, and I apologize.